0: The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, senior content editor of the magazine. This episode features my conversation with Michael Bull, the founder and CEO of Bull Realty, who has assisted clients with more than $6 billion of transactions in his 30-year career. Michael also produces and hosts America's commercial real estate show, his own podcast, where he talks to industry analysts, economists, and leading market participants. Michael and I discuss commercial real estate in the COVID nineteen world, where he offers insights into how leading professionals can best position themselves for success in the near future. First of all, Michael, I, I want to welcome you to the podcast and, and thank you for joining us today. And uh, twenty twenty has been has been a wild ride uh, for, for for many reasons. But um, as a successful CRE practitioner, what lessons have you learned in the last last month or two?
1: Well, you know, I've been through. Some of these downturns before, and uh one of the things I've seen this one that's is, is, is similar to past downturns is you know m- my main job is a commercial real estate broker and you know advise and help clients well, it's in times like these that we become more valuable right so you know what I've learned in the past month or two is is I really need to reach out to clients and 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 understand what they're going through and try to help them whether that's problems with the landlord-tenant payments, whether it's with their lenders or mm-hmm. their values or their underwriting or their plans. And I find that there's a lot of changes in the way people are thinking about commercial real estate now, and we just need to have those discussions and help fine-tune their reactions uh, and their plans related to what's best for them and uh, their sector and in their situation. So. I've just really learned that that we can really be more valuable, you know, on the
0: brokerage side to help clients during these times. And is it a matter of being proactive in your communication, of of reaching out, of checking in more frequently?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. You know, there's there's been a pause on some of the transaction work, and so you know that in some cases leaves a broker more time to to reach out to people and be proactive. And uh, you know, ask them how, how are things changing and what's going on, and you know, and see if we can add value and help them. And, and some of that could be just giving them information or answering questions, or some of it could be you know more involved brokerage work. Mm-hmm.
0: And and in the wake of the the pandemic, and and now that we're kind of a, a few months into it, um, is there anything even as far as day to day of how you changed going about your work that that allowed that's allowed you to to improve efficiency or uh improve value to to your clients
1: well you know it's since uh a lot of a lot of us are working at home you know i can work in my pj's and on the Zoom, right? <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm kidding i did work at home for probably 2 or 3 weeks uh and then uh you know back to my office so um i've been in, in the office now for i guess 3 weeks uh every day um but i i guess you know if there's a change it's really I have 35 uh, brokers uh, that I assist uh, their teams and, uh, you know, helping them learn how to to adjust to a pandemic, having them adjust to a, a recession uh, and, uh, you know, more of a challenging time, especially for, for brokers and, and owners. So, you know, so doing more of that kind of help and helping my, um, my employees, you know, kind of get through this in, in a big way like a lot of our or all of our employees, not all of them, but most all of our employees are working uh, mobile from their homes and, you know, and working through that. So uh th- that's kind of the change is just uh, you know, working mobile and, and helping, you know, clients and agents and staff and they get through all of this.
0: And you mentioned that that you have a team of brokers working for you. Um for those that that maybe this might be the first downturn that they've experienced um uh, you know, what's a piece of advice or two pieces of advice that you'd have for them?
1: Well, I think it's for, uh, for brokers. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, it's really a time to get your business practices efficient. You know, when I, when I went through my first downturn, uh, it was 1986, which shows you how long I've been doing this. And, um, uh, they the tax laws changed and the apartment market, which I had uh, a large market share of, and that's all I did at the time, um, just collapsed. And you know, every deal I had fell out. Um, and the Freddie Mac ended up being the largest apartment owner of the country. And I went into a depression, I would call it for me, for two weeks where I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And I think uh-huh. this this is a similar time for a lot of people, um, but then I snapped out of it, and then I said, "All right, I've got to do uh, have a better practice. I've got to have more efficiency. I've got to be better trained, better systems, more efficient, more time management effectiveness. I've got to really add value, um, and and really become more lean." So I think that's what I would tell you know uh, brokers uh, looking at that side of it is, uh, hey, this is the time to to really look at your business and see what you can do to make your business uh, more valuable and more efficient. And and from that point on, I guess that was 1987. I did make as much money as I did in 86, which is it's the scorecard for agents, right? Uh, It's the commission income. Um, And and every year before that and every year after that, my income rose as I became more efficient more relationships, better known, more, more experience. And that year I was even, which was fantastic because, you know, it was a terrible year in in the apartment industry. Um, so, and then I became a much better broker. That's when I became, I went from a lazy broker. I would call it, Mm -hmm. um, because it was easy. Um, to, all right, now I've got to really be efficient. I've got to really run this like a business. And thank goodness for that downturn because it really turned me into a much more effective broker uh, and leader and ability to to help others uh, with their business practices. So I think that's what a lot of people can get out of this. They'll come out of it the other end with a better, the ones who make it out of the other end, you know, some agents will go to other things. You know, uh, the other thing I've liked about these downturns, this may sound mean sometimes it really thins the ranks of the people who aren't motivated, right? Yeah. They're not motivated. They're not well-trained. They're they're not effective. Uh, and so you kind of get rid of some of those. And, uh, you know, I've seen that in past downturns. Interestingly enough, though, the last downturn, Oh nine, I didn't see it because there was no jobs, you know, there was, <laughs> there was nowhere for people to go. Right. Uh, so I'm like, hey, wh- why are these people still in commercial real estate records? Oh, there was no job, Michael. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that at times like these and difficult times, you you are more valuable to your clients, but you have to, it sounds like from your experience, going through almost a period of self-assessment lets you get to the point where you can provide that value.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the time to look look at what you're doing and what you've been doing, your hours, how much you get done in an hour, your, your CRM, your uh, your marketing of yourself, of your, of your properties, you know, just everything that you do in your business and get better at
0: it. And, and as the, uh, as state and, and the the national economy starts to jump, it's uh, jumpstart itself and things are opening up. Um, you know, what advice can you give to our audience to prepare for, for life after COVID-19?
1: Yeah, I think when you look at uh you know brokerage and you look at principles, right? You look at the, the ownership side of of properties. And I think, you know, on the on the investor and the ownership side, you've you've got to look at what the the new normal is, unfortunately. You know, how do you underwrite? And it's different for every sector, it seems, and, and, and every property as always, but uh, you know, we have a hospitality division and obviously that that's been hit pretty hard. Um, and, uh, and then we have retail investment sales division and some of that's been hit hard. Some of it's doing fine. Um, and then, you know, office, uh, is, is not hit hard yet. It seems most of it, uh, but you know, what are the trends moving forward? So I think it's just really keeping your pulse on the market in a really big way, um, and not overreact, you know, not overreact. I think there's a lot of overreaction today in everything in the world. Uh, and uh, I don't think you want to do that. You think about, you know, 9-11, people are saying, oh, no one's going to ever office in a high rise in New York again. Well, they did, you know, uh, when they had office trends of, uh, you know, people uh, doing uh, open office spaces and cramming people in, you know, hundred square feet per person or less. Oh, that's the norm. That's the trend. And I was saying all along, Uh, I I don't, I think it's a trend. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to last long uh, because I'm a real germaphobe anyway. Um, And I never liked the idea of putting, you know, a bunch of employees and agents in such in such close proximity that if somebody sneezing, you've got 10 people out sick the next few days. Um, So I think uh, you're just, you know, not overreacting, uh, but, but looking close at what you're doing, paying attention to, to your tenants, um, uh, and what they're doing and be realistic with your communications, with your tenants, with your lenders, um, with your, um, uh, everything about your business, just t- just pay, pay close attention
0: to it and, and don't overreact. And you specialize in the office sector. Um, how do you think occupancy will be affected in the next year or two? Obviously, things are kind of uh, in flux now. But if you had a crystal ball, where do you see things in in twenty twenty one?
1: Well, I think you know it's it's going to be in a. At first, there is going to be an adjustment. Where a lot, a lot of these companies are thinking that they're going to be able to have everybody work remote and and work from home, and and that that's going to be uh, fantastic, um, and. I think a lot of them are going to find that it, it doesn't. Some will find, okay, that works for your, your business, but I think a lot of them are going to find uh, that it won't. And there's going to be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction here, overreaction um, of you know, thinking that they're, they're I just, I know a tenant who's about to renew and they're having all their people work from home. And I think more of it's that they're the owner of the company's afraid of the economy more so than she believes that that's really going to work. I mean, think about it. You, let's say you have a, a nice great recruit come into your office and you're saying, Hey, you're going to love our people and our culture. And, uh, uh but you're, you're going to be sitting here behind at home every day. You're not really going to see anyone. <laughs> you think about, you know, integrity, production, um, culture, um, and, how do you do that mobily? That's, that's tough. Um, and, and how do you recruit and retain and, and keep the culture of your company when everyone's at home and doing things like that? I think it's, and then, and I think employees themselves who right now may think, Oh, this is fantastic. I'm in my PJs and I'm working at home. Um, I think they're going to get tired of it. They're not, they're not going to want to be there with the dog barking and the kids playing and, um, and I think they're, they're going to realize that the benefits that they get from working with the younger people or the younger people with the older people and the, you know, the just the power you get from being in the office. I mean, I'm I'm up in age and, and, and I've been in business a long time and a lot of my younger brokers and, and all ages learn from me. You know what I learned from them, too. You know, I learned from them, and I and, and, and we all become better at what we do. So I think the office market uh, demand will will um will have a bit of a pause with some of these companies thinking that they're going to need less space. But then I think uh, as the um, as they start seeing the results of this, uh, a lot of them are going to want office space, and in some cases, you know, they may want a little more space. Uh, like at my office, we did not go to to hundred square foot per person we didn't and we didn't go to open offices. we do private offices on glass um and I've been told that i'm one of the few brokerage firms that that still has that uh, that's what i'd want if I'm an agent uh, i don't want to overhear people overhear my what i'm doing and i don't want someone sneezing at me wanting to leave the building uh so I, I think some companies you know are going to want a little bit more space. There's also this push of people thinking that the CBD locations, some of these companies will want to get out of these more dense environments and go to more um, suburban markets. You know, and I think that could be a, a again a trend for a little while, but I don't think it's a trend for forever. You know, we're people, we're social animals. We we benefit from being around each other. Uh, so. I think it will help suburban office, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, the panacea for them. I don't think the CBDs are, are, are going to start to be empty. You know, you know, you look at places like New York where it's just been really scary for people, you know, uh, you, you know, we've all been in New York. It, it is so vibrant and so awesome that, you know, people are going to want to go back They're They're going to want to go back, you know? It's just so I'm not as concerned about the office market as some people are. I think the, it's, there's going to be some short-term trends, but then uh,
0: long-term people are going to realize the benefits of, of being together. Yeah, I think it's it sounds like uh, they're just in in a situation like this where there's such changes to how people behave that certainly there's going to be some repricing involved in office, but. It sounds like you're not too worried about, about the whole, uh, the world turning upside down.
1: Yeah, I think you know, on the repricing, I think it's going to be more um, how properties are underwritten uh, more so than the cap rates as well. Uh, we just took out a couple projects. We took out a $40 million project. We got the same cap rate in the middle of COVID that we would have received, well, gotten for this property before COVID. We just closed a $6.5 $6. million vacant apartment building Hey, we got the same, and it just closed a couple of weeks ago. We got, Uber sold the same price in January. Um, but I think the underwriting will adjust for each property. You're going to have to look at what do you think demand's going to be and, um, what a rent's going to be on when tenants turn over. So I think the underwriting is adjusting and people are still trying to figure that out. But I think that's where your price adjustment mainly is going to come in. I don't see a lot of cap rate changes, maybe for hotels and some retail, but I don't, Office industrial and multifamily cap rates change all that much. I think just the
0: underwriting does. Gotcha. Gotcha. And switching gears a little bit, um, you're also a podcaster, um, which we obviously support here at the commercial investment real estate podcast. Um, can you just kind of give give us the idea of how a podcast came about and uh, and where that stands right now?
1: Sure. Well, I look at my brokerage business as I'm half a consultant. And I'm half marketing, right? Uh, marketing properties for sale or for lease. And then I'm giving advice to, to companies and, um, and people. So um, the podcast originally started with just some a bit of marketing uh, to benefit my company and my um, contacts and my agents. And uh, we started on one radio station in Atlanta 10 years ago, and we did a weekly show. Well, we immediately started putting it out as a podcast. Um, and eventually the show, uh, grew to 60 radio stations around the country and became real popular. Um, and then eventually, I don't know how many years ago it was too long ago. We, the, the radio stations started losing listeners and, uh, the podcast became much larger audience. So we really dropped the radio stations. Um, so we didn't have to deal with the time constraints and things. And we, um, and we went to all podcast and, uh, uh, the show has a huge audience. We do a sh- at least a show every week, um, and we usually do video and, and podcast. Uh, we have our own television studio um, in our office with three cameras, stage, news desk. We have a professional um, producer who produces the show and, and the videos. Um, and, um, you know, our goal there is just make it a very valuable show Um, for, for our listeners and I try to make every show, uh, more valuable, you know, than the last,
0: uh, and, uh, so it's still going on every week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously you're, you're having, um, these leaders of the industry and you're having these conversations with them every week. Um, you know, what are you able to learn from your guests and how can you better yourself through these conversations?
1: You know, I've learned from my guests, just like I do from my clients, you know, uh, constantly. And, uh, uh, it's unbelievable what I've learned from the show. And, uh, you know, so it really depends on the, the sector that we're covering and, and the type of guest uh, that I have, but, uh, um, you know, I've just learned so much from them. And if I look at, you know, right now, and think about what I've learned lately to, to use to, today in this environment. Um, I would think it would be, you know, looking at the, the economy and, and trying to help, You know, underwrite deals, I think is real important right now, whether you're uh, an investor, um, property owner, or or you're one of us who uh, consult and and help them. Um, I think trying to figure out valuations and underwriting and how to get transactions uh, done that need to be done uh, is, is really key. And I think talking to the different analysts and economists on the show. Uh, uh, on each sector and the and the and the leaders that we do kind of helps you in that individual sector uh, get a feel for how to underwrite a value uh, a property today, um, which I think is you know as we tape this today is kind of one of the elephants in the room, right? Uh, how do you value a property when you don't know how how when's COVID ending, if
0: you will, and, and, and the long term effect. And, and in the last couple of weeks of, of host or of putting your podcast together, are there any trends that you've picked up from your guests or, you know, do they, do they calm you down? Do they get you excited for the future? You know, how, how do you, how do you, uh, look forward after speaking with them?
1: Well, that's a good question. And, uh, one of the guests that I, I have on from time to time, uh, is with the, uh, fed, uh, Brian Bailey's real estate guy. And I think naturally, you know, they're, um they're trying to keep the banks in check, right. And be conservative. Um, and, uh, that's kind of the sense I've gotten from him on my shows in the past. And, uh, so when this came about, I was, he had a show a couple of weeks ago and it's on the show website and, uh, I thought, well, this is going to be negative. <laughs> this is going to be, this is going to scare me to death, but he was very positive. I mean, yeah, he it was, I was, so I was like really pleasantly surprised, uh, after talking to him you know i just felt a lot better uh about what's going on and and uh and part of that was is really comparing this recession to '09, and you know how we were when we went into this and, the, and this reached stark differences um in, in the world and the economy uh today than we had then uh, so it it really made me feel better so i think and then also just information, knowledge, right? We also we feel more comfortable the more we know about what's going on, right? And so uh, I think the show just makes you feel more comfortable because you're just getting all these opinions. And it's not the, you know, it's not the co-star show. It's not the Bull Realty show. It's not, it, there's a lot of different opinions and there's no slant to to try to, to, you know, like the news stations today seem to all have a slant, Uh there's no slant on my show and you're hearing from different people. So if it's negative, uh, that person's negative, it's negative. You know, we, we don't, we don't try to have any certain slant.
0: And back to kind of the the day-to-day practice, um, you know, COVID-19 is obviously a public health crisis, um, and commercial real estate especially is one that involves, you know, networking, shaking hands, face-to-face interactions. Um, do you see significant changes to, kind of that, the way of doing day-to-day business?
1: Well, it's interesting you asked that because I was on a, a showing of a $115 million property about, uh, I want to say it was three, four weeks. It was in the middle of COVID. And I expected uh, the principals were there for the seller and the buyer, um, big companies, big people. And I expect everybody to be masked and standoffish. Well, the, the the developer that built the property as soon as I get there, he comes up right to me and shakes my hand. And he puts his hand up to shake my hand. It's the first time I met him in person. And I felt compelled to shake his hand. Um, and then the, the buyers got there, a big buyer group, and and their principals got there. And he shook their hands. And a couple of them reached out to shake mine. I'm like, what are we doing, guys? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and, and then I was on a, a, another show last week, um, uh, another tour. And it was the same thing. Now I'd say eighty percent of the tours are, you know, uh, waving and, and keeping a distance. But some of these seemingly more important uh, tours and meetings, where I uh, see people meeting, it's it's it seems to be really hard for people to stop the handshaking and stuff like that. Um, so I, and it, and we had, this is funny. I had a, two of my brokers just sell apartments here, and they're very skittish about this COVID and they wear masks. They've not been out to lunch anywhere, um, very socially distanced. And uh and they had a doctor client that they were meeting uh on a big transaction. And and the doctor client walked right up to them, no mask, shook their hands and toured the property with them and then said, All right, let's go to lunch, drug them to a restaurant. <laughs> and you know, I asked them when they, when they got back and I was kidding them, uh, you know, about, well, how do you feel about this COVID now? This doctor you really respect is is kind of ignoring it. Um, so I think, you know, there'll be a time frame here where we're all going to need and, and are going to be more cautious. Um, and but I think eventually, you know, it, it's going to fade out as as things people find, uh, uh, you know, w- ways to uh, vaccines and things for COVID. Um you know, it's a trend that, that'll, that'll die out. And, and, and here's where I think there's a benefit to uh, part of this is I think that people now are going to be more conscious of, of germs and how we spread things between people. And I think uh, it, and, and we look back at this in a couple of years and there'll be less people dying from the flu. There'll be less people out sick. Um, and I think we'll become a healthier environment from what we learned from this, because before this, it just seemed to me that people were really reckless with, uh, their hygiene, with, you know, being too close to each other. Um, and, you know, I've, I'm not going wood, but I've only been sick and I was minorly sick in once in the last 10 years. And, you know, but I think it's because I'm very conscious of, of washing my hands and not being around sick people and, all of that. And I think that's one of the benefits that could, could, could come out of this thing.
0: Yeah. It seems like there's, there's a, a room for improvement that is, is not that much of an effort from, you know, everybody up and down the line. So finally, in broad terms, you mentioned that you work with, with a few dozen brokers, uh, you know, what are two of the most common mistakes that you see from commercial brokers across market sectors? And, uh, and, you know, how can you help our listeners avoid those, those common pitfalls.
1: Well, if I had to pick two, uh, I would say number one by far is just lack of education, uh, a lack of training. And, you know, that's one reason that you know, i have always been a huge proponent and, uh, promoted CCIM. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the five buckets that I think there are of skills, uh, to help you be a successful broker, uh, I think one of the big ones is, uh, underwriting and analysis. And there's just really no better better place to to get it than than CCIM. I mean, the efficiency of that training and education is just remarkable. And I'm not just saying that on this podcast. I I tell that to everyone that I meet. I don't care what you're going to do in commercial real estate. Anything you're going to do, you should, at a minimum, take the uh, four-week core classes. and um and i think the other training you know the the business development and the the sales of the entrepreneurship and the negotiation and the uh, you know just learning how to build a practice um uh, and i think some people get into commercial brokerage and oh i got my license and you know <laughs> let me let me start well would you go you know start laying bricks without the training or massage therapy I mean, what do you mean um so i think lack of training and 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 as far as how i can help with that you know one is i promote CCRM like crazy I also promote people that to do a lot of training in negotiation time management and sales training in a really big way studying sales and then i created training at commercialagentsuccess.com because you know i'm just i've been trying to give back and and, and help the the um the industry and uh, so uh, you know i've got these 21 one-hour videos and 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 brokers around the country love them and they're they're not like the CCI I'm training at all. It, it's totally different uh, and it it's more about well how do you how do you get the business and how do you overcome objections and there's these things that that, that aren't really trained out there. Um, so I think training's number one. and then I think if the number two would just be that they're not doing proper prospecting for new business. Um, in a way this consistent. Right. You 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 hear about a broker that 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 maybe has a good year and then not a so good year or quarter, not a good quarter, and it comes down to usually they're not consistent and they're prospecting. Or they're not doing prospecting in a proper way for you know their industry and size deals and, and things. And, and a lot of that comes because there's just not really good training out there. I mean Commercial brokers should know how to do it, but they really have no motivation to share that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Like uh, they want to close the sidewalks up. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I think those are the two uh,
0: most common mistakes. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, yeah, I think anybody in the industry who who says they have they have enough training and and enough prospects, uh, you know, they're probably not going to be around for too <laughs> long. But uh, yeah. But, uh, well, Michael, I appreciate the time and um, I appreciate all the insights and uh, just want to say best of luck in the business and, and best of luck on, uh, with your podcast.
1: Appreciate it and appreciate uh, you having me on and uh, love uh, what CCM does. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.